just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It is Saturday. We can only hope that Saturday is going to be a little calmer than the rest of the week. We we have a lot of hectic weeks with a lot of shit going on. Can you imagine being Donald Trump with all the shit that's raining down on him, investigations, possibility of indictments, all his buddies throwing him under the bus? None of these days can be good for Donald Trump and... Uh, I'm loving it. (laughs) If Donald Trump can struggle with all the shit he's pulled, that's the very least I can hope for him. And more's coming, so we'll see what happens. Uh, But before we get into what was going on yesterday and the week in general, I have a, a number of emails to read. Most of them short, but there's one that's a longer one. So let's get to those. First one comes from Don. Mike, what are your thoughts about Ken Paxton? I'm a sixth-generation Texan and a Democrat. I don't understand how Ken Paxton can be in office when he's under investigation. Even the state bar is investigating him. Your thoughts, Don? Well, that's an excellent question. Ken Paxton, for those who don't know, is the attorney general of the state of Texas. Now, we've been hearing about the fact that not only is there an investigation in Ken Paxton, he was indicted for fraud with the SEC, investment fraud, and that sort of thing. But that was like in 2015, 2016. How long does it take for you to get to trial when you've been indicted? No doubt the state bar is looking at him. He is one of the most criminal fucks you will ever find. I don't know as much about him as I do other people because he's kind of local to Texas, being the state attorney general. But he's making some waves nationally, as he does. He's a big-time Trump humper, and he's got lots of problems. Why is he still in office? Why is he still working as the attorney general? (laughs) Which is ironic, attorney general, and he's under investigation and indicted. That makes no sense. Why is he there? Well, because you're in fucking Texas, and the Republicans control a lot of shit in Texas. Maybe if Beto O'Rourke beats out Greg Abbott, maybe we'll see some changes there. But you you, you got to imagine that at some point this guy's going to have to go to court, and it sounds like they've caught him dead to rights, so he can't continue. But, you know, when you talk about why is he still in office, same question could be asked about Matt Gates. You know, Matt Gates is under investigation for child sex trafficking. Why is he still in office? And it all comes back to the same thing. It's because Republicans don't care about the criminal activity of those people in their party, and they protect them. This is why Donald Trump, when he was in office, could break all these laws, and he was protected. Because the DOJ wouldn't do anything, and we're going to talk about William Barr and the DOJ in a minute. Um, uh, The Republican Party in the Senate and the House wouldn't do anything, so he got away with everything. So if you want to know why Ken Paxton is still in office— You can look directly at the Republican Party in Texas. They're the ones protecting him. 
All right, the next email comes from Trevor. You probably remember Trevor. He was on the show. He's a regular emailer, but he was on the show one time, and we had an extensive talk with Trevor. Uh, He says, Dear Mike, my dad had a retina detachment, and one of his eyes went completely black. He was at work at the time, and he couldn't see out of one eye which is a red flag. Trust me, I know. So he went to Kaiser, I'm assuming that's a hospital, by himself. Don't ask me why. He didn't call my mom for help. The surgery went well, and now he wears contacts for his eyes. I hope your eye surgery goes well. Well, I'm glad for your dad, Trevor. I'm glad things are going well for him. And why didn't he call your mom? I'll tell you why. At least in my situation, I probably would have called my wife in that same circumstances. But for guys, when you got a problem, you just want to get it taken care of. You try to keep your cool as much as you can. At least that would be the case in my situation. Now, if I call my wife and say, hey, I can't see out of one eye, she's going to lose her shit. She's going to be upset. It's much easier to go get it fixed and then say, honey, my eye was fucked up, but I'm okay now. I know that's uh, boiling it down to much simpler terms than we're talking about. But, you know, guys are a weird breed. I've always been one to uh, tell my wife about tragedies or problems after I've fixed it. (laughs) But you know what? She still gets pissed off at me. You should have told me. And I go, yeah, honey, I'm just trying to save you the stress. You stress out about shit like this. I don't. Let me just take care of it. I'll tell you about it after the fact, and we'll be all good. Yeah, that's not cutting it. So your dad should have told your mom, I'm sure, and I'm sure he got shit for it. But uh, we, we guys, we never fucking learn. We do the same thing over and over again. I'm glad your father is doing well, Trevor. I will tell you, my surgery is not as serious as what your dad went through. Mine is a cataract. I've also already had one cataract surgery on my right eye. Now I have to do it on my left eye. And to be perfectly honest, uh, I can see very little out of that left eye. That cataract has gotten a little further along than I should have let it, but I was, you know, at first you don't notice it. And then when you do notice it, you kind of go, well, what the fuck? I know I can get this done. I'll get it done. But I got other shit going on right now. Well, now I'm on track. On uh, August 30th, I'll get the surgery after going through all kinds of fucking hoops and shit. But uh, I will get the surgery. Um, The surgeon I got is one of the best around this area, if not the country. Um, it's a pretty simple surgery. It takes like 10 minutes. You're kind of out of commission for a couple of hours because of anesthesia and all that shit, but it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Um, it's funny. They were trying to talk me into getting some extra, um, extra tests. Now they ran me through every fucking test I can possibly think of when I went in there. But to me, it seemed like they wanted to generate some more cash out of my pocket. And I said, look, I came here because this surgeon is one of the best there is. So I trust him to do the job. I mean, if he fucks up my job, it's really going to hurt his (laughs) Yelp rating. (laughs) And they looked at me like, you're fucking crazy. And I said, besides, look at it this way. And this is where I kind of fuck with their heads. They said, you know. Right now, as I sit here, I can't see out of this eye. They go, I know, that's why we're doing the surgery. And I said, 
if I go in there with this well-respected doctor and he does his job, now I'll be able to see out of my eye. It'll be wonderful. And they said, absolutely. And I said, but if I go in there and your surgeon fucks up and I can't see out of this eye, well, in realistic terms, I'm no worse off than I am now. (laughs) which is true, which is a stupid comment on my part, but I knew it was stupid, and that's why I said it. It was kind of a joke. And they looked at me like, oh, this motherfucker is crazy. (laughs) I'm going to go in. I'm going to get the surgery on the 30th. It'll be fine. You'll clear up the problem, and I will continue on like I always have. So I'm, I'm not concerned at all. Nobody should be concerned about it. It's a simple surgery. All right, the next one comes from Deb. Just a quick thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to wish me happy birthday. It was much appreciated. I did that on Facebook. I wished her a happy birthday on Facebook, and I try to do it as much as I can. I'm not always looking at Facebook that closely, but when I do see uh, followers or I hate to call them followers, not followers, they're peers. Uh, when I see somebody who's kind of tied into this rational boomer thing and I, I see they're having a birthday, I'm thinking fucking the least thing I can do is wish them a happy birthday. So not a big deal, Deb, but I'm glad you caught it and I do wish you a happy birthday. Now she continues on. She says, I do have a question for you. Why are the main news stations still saying the Republicans are going to win in the midterms? Are they stupid or just stoking the fires? I believe what you've been saying. It seems logical. But when I hear news, MSNBC, CNN, etc., say the Repubs will most likely win in November, what is their angle? Keep up the great work and good luck with your upcoming surgery. Thank you very much, Deb. Well, here's the deal. Now even Mitch McConnell is saying, yeah, you know, we may not win the Senate. We might get even a couple of extra seats for the Democrats. So I think Mitch McConnell is convinced that they're not going to win back the Senate. And one of the reasons he said that, he said that was poor quality of candidates. What he's saying is those candidates... um, that are endorsed by Donald Trump, like Herschel Walker, like uh, J.D. Vance, like uh, Dr. Oz. Yeah, they're not really good, and they don't have a chance to win. He's pretty much acknowledging that they're fucked in those kinds of places and other places. And in fact, the Republican Party has even said, yeah, we're not dumping money into these spots anymore because it's a loser. So as much as the media might say it, Even the Republicans know what is coming. Now, I see the media talk about the House as a different situation, you know, Uh, that it's more likely that the Republicans will take over in the House. And I'm not sure how they're figuring that out, because, as I've said, with all the things that have gone on in the past two years, There's a lot of things that are going to take votes away from the Republicans, and not one thing I can think of that will add votes, reasons for them to get more votes. Yeah, the Trumplicans are all fucking going crazy, but that's a small percentage of people. Reasonable people are going to see the investigations, the indictments, and uh, the stolen top-secret documents. I, I don't see how... I I don't see how there's any way that the Republicans win, logically speaking. Now, 
Of course, when we're talking about (laughs) this fucking country, logic doesn't always play. But you're asking me, why does the media say, yeah, they're going to win in the midterms? Well, the media loves drama. The drama attracts viewers. And they want to foment that drama to keep the viewers coming. That's one of my biggest problems with CNN. They constantly say shit like this in order to stir up people's concerns and stuff. And part of me thinks they just do it to uh, draw listeners. But there's a part of me that wonders, are they doing this to scare people so they do get out and vote? I don't know. But you can trust whether it be MSNBC, Fox News, CNN, AON, uh, OAN, um, or or, um, Newsmax, or any of these fucks. First and foremost, their concern isn't informing you isn't about telling you the facts, whether they be left or they be right. Their first job, get viewers, get money. So take what you hear from the media with a grain of salt. They are frequently wrong. If you'll remember back uh, prior to the election in 2020, a lot of them said, oh, Donald Trump's going to win this easy. I kept saying, no, he's not. He's not going to win at all. But they said, oh, my God, it's scary. He might win. He might win. And, of course, he lost by 7 million votes. So whatever you hear in the media, take it with a grain of salt because I don't know that they have our best interest when they do their reporting. All right, this next one comes from Fred. Now, if you listened to the last podcast, you know that Fred was my guest host for the day. Fred always does a great job. He's a very bright guy. He's an accomplished guy. He lives in the Midwest like I do. And it's always interesting to hear what he has to say. Here's his email to me. Mike, thanks again for having me on for a third visit. That's right. He's been on three times. He was with me once alone and then once with Ed and I. And then this last time with just me alone. He goes on, like we spoke of after the recording, it's great listening to and speaking with someone of a like mind, and that's why you have as many listeners as you do. As I'm sure all your listeners do, I enjoy your uh, your hearing or your take on current political events and especially enjoy being able to talk to you about them and let you work half as hard. That's That's my joke, is that when I have guests on, It's nice because I only have to work half as hard, only talk half as much. Here's uh, to continued show growth, and I look forward to being on with you again and hopefully hearing from Tyler and Jenna and many of the other listener guests and even new listener guests in the very near future. Fred, well, thank you, Fred, for taking the time to be on the show in the last podcast. You did a great job, as you always do. And uh, I'm convinced there isn't anybody in this audience that wouldn't do a great job if they came on the show with me. Over and above, most of the people in this audience are very bright, very articulate. uh, But you're dealing with a professional here. I'm not going to make you look bad. And if it did go bad and you were uncomfortable with it, I just wouldn't run the show. No one would ever know. So you've got a safety net if you decide uh, to to, to come on the show and... uh, I appreciate it. Now, he mentioned the show growth, and and that's interesting that he should bring that up uh, because on anchor.fm, 
you know, we've got a steady growth. It's always gone up every couple of weeks. But in the last two weeks, it's really jumped up pretty high. I mean, it's made a major jump, a bigger jump than I normally see. So thank you for that. For those of you that are new listeners, I appreciate you joining me on the Rational Boomer podcast. All right. I have one last email. This one goes a little long. And uh, who sent it? Peggy. And I think she's a relatively new listener. Maybe not. Hi, Mike. I want you to know that you have been a wonderful source of education for me. I'm 73 and I was born in 1949. I grew up in a family that never discussed politics. My dad was very proud of the fact that he never told anyone who he was voting for, so I never knew what political party he affiliated with. If I were forced to guess, I would say probably Republicans, even though I honestly think he would never have voted for or backed Donald Trump in any matter, shape, or form. Well, that makes sense, uh, Peggy, because... The Republican Party of old that your dad may have voted for bears no resemblance to the Republican Party we have now. We don't even have a Republican Party. They're not conservatives. They're not Republicans. They're Trumplifucks. She goes on to say, my dad was very smart, and I don't think he would have been fooled by the likes of Trump or any of the Trumplifucks. Well, Peggy, watch your language. (laughs) Having said that, he'll never know what a disservice he provided for his children. I never was interested in politics until you came along, meaning me. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate that. You talk about it with such ease and explain it so well that I continue to get new education from you on a daily basis. I'm enjoying it so much. My husband and I listen to your podcast on Spotify while we're having our coffee together in the mornings. And then we listen to you again in the evenings. You listen to the same show twice? Wow. Now that is a fan. You probably don't realize how many people you are providing an education for. When you don't know or understand the inner workings of politics, you're totally lost. I listen to you say you had lost family and friends over issues, and I have too. I've stopped communicating with those Trumplifucks who want to argue ridiculous issues. By the way, we live in a red state, Louisiana. Love Louisiana. Love uh, Love New Orleans. It is a total waste of my time to argue with anyone who believes in Trump, QAnon, or any of that stuff. They're fucking idiots. I'd add the fucking. She didn't say that. My husband, on the other hand, is well-versed in the subject of politics, and I started learning from him. We've been married 23 wonderfully happy years. Even though I got the basics from my husband, I truly thank you. Uh, You have expanded my education much further. I just want to say thank you for what you do. Keep up the good work. Sincerely, Peggy. Well, that is a beautiful letter. Thank you, Peggy. I appreciate that. And, you know, one of the reasons I do this is, first of all, a lot of people said it wouldn't do any good and, and, and it wouldn't do anything. So that's a sure sure way to get me to say, fuck you, I'm doing it anyway. But... <clears throat> The problem is, is the media. And having worked in the media for a long time, I kind of understand how it works. They tell you what they want you to hear and not what is true. In my life, I've had two jobs that kind of train me to do what I'm doing here. I was a play-by-play announcer of sports, and I was a traffic announcer where I watched cameras on the freeway system and did reports. 
Now, what those jobs allowed me to learn how to do is to see something or hear something and distill it down into something that's palatable, that people can understand and deliver those messages. And those jobs were important for me to do that. So all my life, I've been kind of, for my own simple mind, trying to distill things down to simple terms so I could understand it. I see this mess on TV and the media and all this stuff. Now I feel compelled to look deeper into it, look at facts from different different directions, and then distill it down into the real facts. Because unfortunately, we can't count on our media to do that for us. Now, what you're talking about with politics and your dad not talking about it with you and keeping it very secret, that's how it was back in the day. You know, it wasn't polite company to talk about politics or religion. Okay, cool. But that attitude, you know, we were talking a different time, 50s, 60s, 70s. We were talking a different time. We didn't have the divisiveness with the politics back then, and people just didn't talk about it. Don't talk about politics or religion. And that's the attitude that most people took. But here's the deal, and here's the problem with that. What that created in this country is apathy. People said, well, I can't do anything about it. I'll vote. Maybe I won't vote. Whatever happens, happens. Let the professionals handle it, meaning the politicians. Well, the whole reason we are in the trouble we are in now is because of apathy. People not wanting to get involved. People not wanting to dig deeper and finding out what is truly going on in this country. That apathy put us in this position now. If I was to say one good thing that Donald Trump did, he woke everybody up. He woke everybody up and all those people said, I don't want to hear about politics. I don't want to hear the bad news. I don't want to get involved. Just let the professionals handle it. Donald Trump woke up a lot of people and said, these fuckers aren't too smart. These some bitches aren't doing their job and working for us. So we need to wake up and speak out. And if there was one thing I wanted to do with the show is I wanted to deliver information that was hopefully helpful to do somebody some good. So Peggy, when you say this, I I appreciate it immensely because that really was the goal I was going for. But people always say, what can I do? What can I do? And I knew I had to do something. So I took the only thing I knew how to do, and it's being on the radio and talking into a mic and all this other stuff. So I thought, you know, I'm one guy. I probably can't make a huge difference. But if I don't take the time to make some kind of difference, regardless of how small it would be, then I'm uh, I'm remiss in my duties as a citizen. So the attitude I took is by doing TikToks and and, and by doing the podcast that maybe I'd be able to collect enough people of a like mind, deliver that message to them, and in hopes that they would in turn deliver to more people, and they would deliver to more people. And that's how movement starts, and that's how we get things done. I'm one guy. I'm a little guy that started doing TikToks two years ago, or not quite two years ago, and... um, in a podcast a year and four months ago or whatever the fuck it was. Uh, I'm just a guy. I'm There's nothing special about me. I do have radio background, big fucking deal. Uh, but by talking and hopefully drawing an audience, and I'm thankful that on TikTok I've drawn 
a pretty sizable audience and uh, on the podcast, which was really my end game. I wanted the podcast. TikTok was just to get more people to the to the, the podcast and people get to know who I am. Uh, but by delivering the information and in hopes they deliver to other people and exponentially reach a big crowd of people. That's my goal. Now, I don't know if I'm there yet, but uh, at least I'm headed in the right direction. And at least when my granddaughter, <laughs> when my granddaughter's 25 years old and starts to read about this shit show of 2020 and 2022 and 2024, she can say to herself, well, what did my grandfather do? I mean, he was in the middle of it. Did he do fucking anything? And at least she can say, well, he tried. He tried to do something. Nobody could shut that clown up, but he kept talking and he hopefully convinced some people of what was truly going on. So that was my goal. And uh, I'm going to continue with my goal. Uh, We do have a pretty good audience on the the podcast. I have a big audience on the TikTok, but that doesn't mean I'm going to stop. Why? I'm on a fucking roll here, so I might as well keep going and keep doing it, which is what I'm going to do. So, Peggy, thank you for listening. You know, that's the other thing that I find interesting. I sit here and I talk about politics, and oftentimes it's just me. And I get this a lot from people. I got it from Fred. I get it from Peggy. I got it from a lot of folks. And they'll say, you know, I'll sit down with my husband or my son or by myself and I'll work out and I'll listen to you or I'll drive to work and listen to you or I'll have coffee and I'll listen to you. And that 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 is a true, um, I take that as a huge compliment because I've been on the radio before and I know that feeling when people kind of interact and connect with you. Once they get to know you, they can decide, I like this guy or I hate this fucking guy. And with radio, you have the ability to connect with an audience. Now, with a podcast, when you first started, it's not quite the case because you don't have a built-in audience necessarily. You know, first month or two or three, depending on what you're doing and how you're doing it, you may not have any listeners. There's so few listeners. A lot of people in this world, a lot of people who are from radio and going to podcasting and say, well, I got 10 listeners. Why am I fucking doing this? And, you know, I was at that point, too, when I was starting the podcast. But I thought, okay, I got 10 listeners. Those are 10 people that didn't know who I was. I'm just going to keep going and see what it is. And over time, it builds up, like I say, exponentially. The more listeners I get, the faster it grows. The faster the difference it grows. So I feel like I'm doing something here. And over and above, delivering information to people and hopefully being helpful to them. That's my first goal. And then if all of us can be helpful to the country, even better. But we're still in the process of trying to do that. It's, I'm, not, I'm not taking anybody down or changing anything as yet, but the work still needs to be done. I'll continue to do the work, and, and hopefully you'll listen, and hopefully more people will listen ultimately, and it will have an impact on them. But over and above that whole aspect, I've told you the story that when I left radio— I was kind of pushed out because of my age and because I made too much money and all that stuff. And I fucking left. I said, fuck you. I resign that quick, much to my wife's chagrin. Um, But when I left, I told this clown, this program director, who was a 34-year-old kid that didn't know fuck all from fuck all. I said, look, I'm going to do something on the Internet. 
and I'm going to have more listeners than you have, guaranteed. And of course, he smirked at me and thought that was stupid. And for whatever reason, I thought, well, I could do something on the radio, a podcast. I'd done podcasts years ago when they first started. I know a little bit about radio, having been in it for so long. Um, And then I got the idea with the TikTok, build an audience with the TikTok, and then go to the podcast. And damned if it hasn't worked. Now, I'm not suggesting that I have the audience that a major radio station has, but you know what? I do have a better audience than that fucking radio station that I told them when I told them I was going to beat them. I have done that already, so I feel vindicated in that sense. But the nice thing is when I sit down doing this, when I first started doing TikToks, it was kind of like, I'm just going to throw this out there and see what happens. And then when I started doing the podcast, I'm just going to throw that out there and see what happens. I'm going to kind of test it to see what happens. Well, I'm beyond that point now. The point I'm at right now is I'm sitting down right now. I'm doing a fucking radio show. Granted, it's different than a radio show. And thank God for that because I get bored to tears when I listen to radio shows. I'd much rather listen to an audio book or a podcast. And so now I've got an every night thing where pretty much every night I sit down and do a show and talk about the things that happened before. So all of you that listen and all of you that interact like Peggy and Fred and Trevor and all these people, uh, that's brought me to the point where I feel like I'm doing something now. I'm actually accomplishing something. And that is a tribute to all of you for listening. Uh, God help you. I don't know why you can sit and listen to me for an hour a day, but you do. And that's much appreciated. So we're going to keep this motherfucker going. And we're going to get a bigger audience and bigger audience. And uh, all I got to say is Joe Rogan, watch the fuck out. The Rational Boomer podcast is coming. I'm joking. I'm joking, of course. I don't need something huge. I just need the right people. I just need the right people. And fortunately, with TikTok and on the podcast, I got the right people. I got my people. I got our people. And that's all that matters. All right, let's take a quick break and we will be right back. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. All right. Before we move on, I just want to give you a heads up. Uh, Tomorrow's show, I already recorded it with Ed. And the show is dealing largely with health care and religion. Now, I know that sounds boring. Maybe not. But it's a departure from the kind of show I normally do. But I will tell you this. Having done the show and having listened to it as I was doing it with Ed, it's a good show. Ed offers some interesting insights and perceptions that I don't have, like all the listeners who join me do. So it's a good show, and that's coming up Sunday early morning. So when you get up on Sunday, if you feel compelled to listen to the Rational Boomer podcast, there'll be one waiting for you. And it'll be a good show. You'll want to listen to it. All right. The the uh, Justice Department, under Attorney General William Barr, 
improperly withheld portions of an internal memorandum Barr cited in publicly announcing that then-President Donald Trump had not obstructed justice in the Russia investigation. A federal appeals panel said that today. Now, see if you remember this. You know how how Republicans or Trump LaFucks and Donald Trump himself will say, oh, the Mueller report, Russia, 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 I was totally exonerated. Well, he was not totally exonerated. In fact, in the Mueller report, there was uh, evidence of obstruction of justice by Donald Trump, not once, not twice, but 10 fucking times. Now, no matter who you are, obstruction of justice is a crime. Now, the people, the Trump fucks, will say to me, yeah, but he was never indicted, so he's exonerated. No, motherfucker, he was not exonerated. In fact, when Mueller was talking, they asked him, with this obstruction of justice, you're not suggesting that he should be indicted as a sitting president because of some fucking memo in the DOJ, but could he be indicted when he's no longer president. And Mueller very clearly said, yes, absolutely. Now, I'll be perfectly honest. In that Mueller report, I think Robert Mueller fucked up. He couched everything too much. He was best buddies with William Barr. They used to have fucking barbecues together. So if Mueller stepped into my booth and I was interviewing him, first thing I'd say is, Mueller, You fucked up. You had an opportunity. You could have saved this country a lot of problems, but you chose to be cautious. Even though you knew this president was damaging this country, I hold you fucking responsible for that. But the point of this article was that, of course, when that obstruction was found out and was announced in the investigation, once everything was revealed, then William Barr wrote a memorandum publicly announcing that then-President Donald Trump had not obstructed justice. And there were parts of that memo he did not reveal to the general public. The department had argued that the 2019 memo represented the private deliberation of its own lawyers before any decision had been formalized and was therefore exempt from disclosure. A federal judge previously disagreed, ordering the Justice Department to provide it to a government transparency group that had sued for it, prompting an appeal last year by the Biden administration to a higher court. Attorneys for the Justice Department didn't immediately respond to an email message seeking the comment. The department can appeal the ruling by a panel of judges from the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit to the full appeals court. At issue in the case is a March 24, 2019 memorandum from the head of the Justice Department's Office of Legal Counsel, or OLC, and another senior department official that was prepared for Barr to evaluate whether evidence in a special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation could support prosecution of the president for obstruction of justice. Now, Barr has said he looked to the opinion in concluding that Trump did not illegally obstruct the Russia probe which was an investigation as to whether his campaign had colluded with Russia to 
to tip the 2016 election. We know as much as Donald Trump says it didn't happen, as much as the Trump LaFox said it didn't happen, it happened. And it happened in a big way. The Justice Department turned over other documents to Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington as part of the group's lawsuit, but declined to give it the memo government lawyers said they were entitled to under the public records law to withhold the memo because it reflected internal deliberations among lawyers before any formal decisions had been reached on what the Mueller's evidence showed. But the U.S. District Judge Amy Berman Jackson said that last year that those arguments were disingenuous because the memo was prepared for Barr at about the same time as a separate Justice Department letter informing Congress and the public that Barr and other senior department leaders concluded that Trump had not obstructed justice. But that's not what Mueller said. He did, in fact, say he obstructed justice justice. The memo noted that Mueller had declined to accuse President Trump of obstructing justice, but also declined to exonerate him and recommended that Barr reach a judgment on whether the evidence constituted obstruction of justice, the panel wrote on Friday. Now, see, that's what I mean. Mueller, just as smart as Barr, not fucking smarter. He declined to do it because it wasn't politically appropriate. But by not doing that, he gave Barr the opportunity to make that decision. And, of course, Barr was fucking tainted because he was kissing Donald Trump's ass. Now, the memo also noted that the report's failure to take a definitive position could be read to imply an accusation against President Trump if the confidential report were released to the public, the court wrote. In this letter to Congress, the court noted Barr stated that his determination was made without regard to and is not based on the constitutional considerations that surround the indictment and criminal prosecution of a sitting president. So what's that mean? It means Barr didn't do his job. He covered up for Donald Trump. Now, in the portions of the memo that were released, the appellate panel wrote Justice Department officials redacted references to a constitutional bar on prosecuting a sitting president, including the caveat that the memorandum's recommendation would apply only where there's no constitutional barrier barrier to prosecution, meaning after Trump's time in office had concluded. So like I said before, Mueller said he could be prosecuted when he's no longer president. You know, they keep telling us no one's above the law. And I disagree wholeheartedly because apparently a sitting president is a fucking above the law. But after he's no longer president, he certainly could be prosecuted. Therefore, the panel wrote justice didn't initially disclose that the memorandum's analysis assumed President Trump could not be charged with a crime while in office. Instead, the department, like Mueller, took as a given that the Constitution would bar the prosecution of a sitting president. Well, that's nowhere in the Constitution. That's a fucking memorandum of somebody who who theorized what the Constitution meant. They were cherry-picking things and saying, well, according to the Constitution, we can't 
indict a sitting president. Well, it doesn't say that, which is ironic because didn't the Republicans tell us, well, the Constitution doesn't identify abortion specifically, so it doesn't count. So the same thing should apply here, don't you think? Instead, the department, like Mueller, took as a given that the Constitution would bar the prosecution of a sitting president. The court wrote, noting that the fact that the decision had already been made meant it didn't qualify for protection from public release for which justice had argued. Now, the government said it indeed already concluded that there were no obstruction prosecution since Justice Department of legal opinions say a sitting president cannot be indicted. But it said the memo concerned a separate issue whether the evidence Mueller had collected could support a conclusion that Trump had obstructed justice. So what we're seeing here is a big convoluted mess. Can we indict a sitting president? Let me just tell you this right now. We saw what happened when we had a criminal president. We saw that he was above the law while he was a sitting president. And there's this fucking stupid memorandum that says, oh, we can't prosecute a sitting sitting president acting as if it's in the Constitution, which it's not. But this memorandum stopped them from going as stopped Mueller from going as far as he committed obstruction of justice. So he just passed the buck to William Barr, who, who was a Donald Trump kiss ass. And the whole thing was a fucking joke. I mean, all the information got out, but if they tell you, here's all the information, but it's not really that bad. Did they do a good job? Fuck no. And Mueller is as bad as any of them. We had hoped for something honest and decent out of Mueller. That's not what we got. We got a chicken shit doing a half-assed job. Now, in its ruling Friday, the appellate panel wrote that had Justice Department officials made clear to the court that the memo related to Barr's decision on making a public statement about the report, rulings in the case might have been different. Uh, Yeah, of course they would, because the department did not tie the memorandum to the deliberations about relevant decisions. The department failed to justify its reliance on the deliberative process privilege, according to the ruling by an unsigned panel of judges from the U.S. Court of Appeals to the uh, District of Columbia Circuit. Now, Barr and other senior officials concluded that Trump's actions didn't amount to obstruction, and the Attorney General shared that assessment with Congress soon after the memo was complete. Mueller's team did not reach a conclusion on whether Trump had obstructed justice. So who was doing the fucking study? Who was doing the investigation? Mueller? Or William Barr, who we know was tainted. You see the problem here? Appellate judge also noted that their ruling was narrow, saying that it should not be interpreted to call into question any of our precedents, precedents permitting agencies to withhold draft documents related to public messaging. The point of this whole fucking thing is he committed obstruction of justice. He did ten times according to the Mueller report. Mueller very specifically said that if he was no longer president, he could be indicted for these infractions. 
as much as Barr tried to tamp it down and say, yeah, that's not really what happened, he isn't the one that did the investigation. It was Mueller. And while Mueller was kind of chicken shit in this whole thing, the facts are the facts. So conceivably, we could be looking at other investigations of obstruction of justice against Donald Trump because he committed those crimes. So that's just another potential investigation hanging over Donald Trump's fucking head. Uh, I don't know if it even matters if they pursue that. They might pursue it. And if they do, well, that's just another another thing to take Donald Trump done, down. As I've said, I don't care if they investigate this now. They fucked it up beyond all possibilities here. Uh, they could investigate and indict. But it really doesn't matter. As I've, as I've told you before, we only need Donald Trump indicted once, just once. And that pretty much shuts him down and takes him out of the equation. And that's all we need to do at this point. Will he end up in jail? Who knows? I just want him destroyed and I want his communications shut down. The more he talks to this country, the 30% Trumplifucks are still going to get whipped up. He is a danger to this country even still, and he has to be shut down. And whether it's 10 indictments or one indictment, it doesn't matter. Just shut that motherfucker down. Now, Donald Trump is pushing for the release of the affidavit. You remember the search that they conducted on his house. And they said, yeah, well, you should release the search warrant not thinking that they would do that. But then, of course, Merrick Garland said, okay, fuck it, we'll do it. We'll do it. (laughs) And now the next step is they want to release the affidavit. Now, what's in the affidavit is really interesting. It has all the facts, all the names in it. It is the essence of the investigation. Now, of course, the FBI doesn't want to release it because it could hurt um, whatever processes they used in the investigation and might help the defendant. You don't want to expose every bit of your case until you uh, issue an indictment, and then you have to in, in, and make everything known to them. But until that point, you really don't have to. And the likelihood of most DOJ situations, they wouldn't do that. But here's what you have to understand. The Republicans are ranting and raving about getting this out. They don't really want it out because if all the information got out, they would look fucking foolish because I think that what's going on with that Mar-a-Lago investigation, there's a lot more bad shit that we don't even know yet. And the last thing they want out is is that information. They will look bad. But what they're, what they're betting against is they're saying, look, we're going to demand it, they're going to refuse it, and then we're going to say they're hiding something. I mean, that's their fucking game. But you know who else is pushing to get this released? It's not just the Republicans. In fact, more so it's the media, the CNNs, the MSNBCs. They want this released because their job is to get as much information as possible and put it out there for people. And they don't give a fuck whether it's good for the investigation or not. They just want to be the first to put this out there. Now, one of the biggest concerns about putting out this document is that they're afraid 
that the mole or the informants or informants will get exposed. And of course, that puts them in danger because we know what the Trump lefucks do. They step up and they start making threats and going after people who had the audacity to rat on Donald Trump. And they want to protect those people because, you know, they gave this information. But I look at this as a little different situation. Think about who the rat was. Was a Republican? Was somebody close to Donald Trump? So why the fuck do we care if they get threatened or they get beat up or whatever? I don't give a shit. These are people that sat by Donald Trump's side for six years. And now one of them is so scared that they're ratting on Donald Trump. And if the Republicans want to threaten them, I don't fucking care. Because if it's Jared Kushner and he's going to get all, all the heat, good. Fucking good. I'd love to see what would happen if we find out it's Jared Kushner. What's Donald Trump going to do? Is he going to throw Kushner under the bus? Is he going to try to protect Kushner? What are the Trump fucks going to do when his own son-in-law is the one that ratted on him? Now, we don't know that it's Kushner. But if you looked at the situation, he's the logical choice. He's the one that's probably scared to death that he's going to go to jail because, I don't know, he got $2 billion from the Saudis and and uh, Papa Trump's got all the uh, nuclear documents. I don't know. That seems kind of weird to me. Uh, might tell me that uh, Kushner's got some things to worry about. So anyway, so Donald Trump's pushing for the release of the affidavit behind the FBI's warrant to search Mar-a-Lago residents because just like the fictional TV mobster, uh, George Con- Conway is saying this, you know, you know, his wife, the Trump humper, but George is against Donald Trump. He said it's kind of like the TV mobster, Tony Soprano. He wants to know who the snitch is. Conway shared his theories about Trump and his lawyers approach to the affidavit after the FBI found 11 sets of classified material, including top secret information. Trump and his legal team are currently calling for the Department of Justice to release the full affidavit. Now, what Conway said Conway told uh, Joe Scarborough on MSNBC, I don't like Joe Scarborough. I'm just going to say that. I don't mind MSNBC. Sometimes I watch it. I can't watch Joe Scarborough because he's on there with his wife, right, and some other people. This fucker will not shut up. He interrupts people, and he won't stop talking. Joe, you're a smart guy. You were in politics. But just back off a little bit and let somebody else talk. Anyway, that's beside the point. So Conway went on to say they're being mendiciously, I don't even know what that word means, three-faced about it. Three-faced, not two-faced. First of all, they themselves would like to see the affidavit because, you know, Tony Soprano wants to know if if Pussy Bonapensanero, you know, a big pushy, pussy from the show, is the rat. They want to see who is thinking on them. But they're also conflicted, said Conway. They don't want 
us to see the affidavit because it's really bad. It's a long affidavit, and it's going to have a lot of information about a lot of people saying a lot of bad things about bad things the former president did and how he squirreled it away. And he always squirreled away these documents and refused to give them back when he was repeatedly told that he had to give them back and was subpoenaed to return them. So I I think Conway's on to something here. Plus, Trump's team wants a BS issue so they can send out the fundraising grift emails to raise money by saying, oh, they're hiding the affidavit from us. Kind of what I said earlier. And that's true. They are already grifting money because of this situation. Conway then said, it's all very dishonest and disgraceful, but that's par for the course. And yes, it is. They can take the worst situation, the Trumplefucks, and turn it into a money-making deal. Now, of course, the Department of Justice wants to keep the affidavit sealed because they don't want to give away information about the investigation too early. They don't want to expose the people that we're talking, and it all makes perfect sense. Prosecutors also expressed concern that identifying FBI agents, the agents or witnesses, could put those people's lives in danger. Of course it could, because we know what they'll fucking do. Donald Trump's inflammatory rhetoric and his supporters' threats and violence and all this stuff, of course they're going to go after every individual FBI agent, which not only puts their life at risk because of Donald Trump and the trump fox, but it also puts them at risk with any other people that don't like these FBI agents. Now, on Thursday, federal magistrate Judge Bruce Reinhardt ordered the Justice Department to submit a redacted version of the affidavit by next week. Next Thursday, actually. Reinhardt would then decide if he's satisfied with the redactions or whether he would make his own. Reinhardt also released the cover page of the search warrant application, which states that the basis for the warrant was evidence of a crime, as well as contraband, fruits of crime, or other IT, I, or items illegally possessed. The name of the FBI agent who wrote the supporting affidavit was blacked out, thankfully. So this is interesting. The judge does want to let it out. He does want to let it out, but uh, um, he doesn't want to do it without being redacted. We've seen redacted fucking documents. You can't even read them because everything of any importance is redacted out. So they'll probably end up releasing this affidavit, but it'll be so redacted that nobody will be able to read it or understand anything in it. If anything does come through, it will be bad for Donald Trump and all his little cronies. But then they'll say, well, it's redacted, so so they're trying to hide stuff. Fuck you. We're not going to give you names of people that are ratting on you because we know what you'll do with it. We know that you tamper with witnesses. And I always say tampering with witnesses. That's such a soft statement. No, we're going to fucking kill you. We're going to track you down and get your kids. That's what they say. 
And that is far from tampering with witnesses. That is terroristic threats, and it should be treated as such. All right, we're coming to the end here. And I wanted to bring this up. We know that uh, Rudy Giuliani was subpoenaed to testify in front of the grand jury in Fulton County, Georgia. He fought it, but he testified. We don't know what he said, but we know he talked for six hours. So if he was pleading the fifth every time, that's a long time. That's a lot of questions. If he was only pleading the fifth, it shouldn't have taken more than an hour or two. But this was six hours. And this has got to be weighing on Donald Trump's mind. What the fuck did he say? Unfortunately for Donald, unless he talks to Rudy, and of course Rudy's not going to tell the truth, it's all secret in a grand jury. So even Donald Trump can't know. So this has got to be driving him nuts. Now, Rudy Giuliani is not the only person that uh, the grand jury in uh, Georgia subpoenaed. We've got Lady Lindsey Graham. For the second time this week, a federal judge has denied U.S. Senator Lindsey Graham's attempt to evade a grand jury subpoena, requiring him to testify in the investigation of Donald Trump's efforts to overturn the 2020 election. Calling his legal argument, this is what the federal judge said, they called his legal argument unpersuasive. Now, U.S. District Judge Leigh Martin May Friday afternoon responded to the Fulton County, Georgia Georgia District Attorney Fonnie Willis request to order GOP Senator from South Carolina, Lady Lindsay, to appear before the special purpose grand jury. Senator Graham's arguments are entirely unpersuasive, Judge May wrote, as politicals Kyle Cheney notes, and they do not even demonstrate a substantial case on their merits. As an initial matter, Senator Graham takes issue with the court's recognition that his sole request to quash the subpoena in its entirety was built largely, if not entirely, on the premise that Senator Graham will only be questioned about phone calls, which Senator Graham characterized as legitimate legislative fact-finding exercises and thus completely protected by the speech or debate clause. Yeah, not so much, Lenz. Instead, Senator Graham maintains that he believes that the other topics will simply be used as a backdoor for questioning him about the phone calls. The judge adds, the problem for Senator Graham is that the record thoroughly contradicts his suggestions that the district attorney and grand jury simply wish to use questions on other topics as a backdoor to asking him about legislative fact-finding on the phone calls. Yeah, Judge May wasn't fucking having it. Judge May found that Senator Graham had no basis, zero basis, to claim he should not be ordered to testify and ordered him to testify on August 23rd. That's next Tuesday. The county finds no basis, or the court finds no basis for concluding that its holdings as to these issues are likely to be reversed on merits, Judge May wrote, holding otherwise would other allow any sitting senator to shield all manner of potential criminal conduct occurring during a phone call merely by asserting the purpose of the call was legislative fact-finding, no matter whether the call subsequently took a different turn. 
Graham still has other avenues to use to evade the lawful subpoena. Well, here's the deal. He has one emergency appeal he could do between now and Tuesday, which he will likely do and which he will likely lose. He's definitely going to lose. Lindsey Graham is going to have to talk. He's going to have to sit down and testify under oath, which is the thing he fears the most. He's a senator. If he doesn't speak truthfully, he will be charged with perjury and will most certainly be convicted of said said crime. So Lindsey's in a whole fucking world of hurt. Apparently, um, there's one other thing to consider. You notice when Rudy Giuliani finally decided, okay, I got to testify, I'm going. Just before he went in to testify, Fonnie Willis said, oh, by the way, you're a target. And that's how these DAs do that. They wait till maybe not the last minute, but a couple of days in advance. And they do that for a specific reason, because once these people like Rudy Giuliani know they're a target, that might change how they decide to respond in the testimony. I think it's a requirement. They have to say, you're a target. Now come in and talk. And based on you being a target, that will determine how you answer these questions according to how you're advised by your lawyers. Now, at this point, Lindsey Graham hasn't been designated as a target. But that doesn't mean he's not going to be designated as a target. It's conceivable at some point between now and August 23rd, assuming he's coming in, that they might designate him as a target. I mean, he made the fucking phone calls. We haven't heard the audio from that, but I wouldn't be surprised if there is some audio like the one with Donald Trump. And if there is audio, he's going to have a hard time fighting this motherfucking charge. So he could conceivably be announced as a target at some point in the next couple of days or maybe on the 22nd. Who knows? But this would also tell you if Rudy Giuliani and Lindsey Graham are a target, most certainly Donald Trump is a target because he's the one that committed the crime on audio fucking tape. He may be the target. Now, if he is a target or the main target, he may not be asked to speak at all. That's pretty typical with targets. But I've said this before about Fonnie Willis. Do not fuck with Fonnie Willis. She does not give a shit if he's the former president or the former king of England. She doesn't care. She's going to get these people for what they did, and they are going to pay a price. It's not like in Washington, D.C. This is Georgia. This is Fonnie Willis. This is Fulton County. I'll be honest, if Fonnie Willis pulls it off and indicts the president of the United States, she'll get a lot of heat from a lot of people, but she'll get a lot of notoriety. And that means Fonnie Willis is going places. I don't know where. Maybe she'll be attorney general someday. Who the fuck knows? But being the first person to indict the president of the United States... That's a shingle she's going to hang on her wall that's going to pay dividends for her. And don't don't you believe she's not considering that. She knows she's in a touch, tough situation, but what's she got to lose? She's a district attorney. She's going after an actual criminal, or actually, in this case, criminals. There's three of them. And they're all going to get nailed. 
and Fonnie Willis is going to do it. Why wouldn't she? She wouldn't put in all this time and money if she wasn't going to come up with an indictment. She wouldn't have a grand jury unless there was an indictment. So be watching this very closely. Over the next couple of days, it'll be interesting to see if they announce that Lindsay is a target. They may not. But I think there's a good likelihood they will, especially since he's been fucking around with not wanting to come and testify. That says right off the top that the fucker's guilty. So I don't know why he wouldn't be a target. Anyway, it's going to be very interesting to watch. Um, Let's just see if I got time here. Ah, Fuck, I'm way over. But anyway, I just want to bring this one up. Um because it's so fucked up. And I'll make this one quick. New York Republican and congressional candidate Carl Palladino. I don't know who he is. You probably don't know who he is unless you're in New York. Carl Palladino reportedly said in a recent interview that Attorney General Merrick Garland should be executed. And then Palladino walked it all back claiming, oh, I was just joking, a little jokey. That's what he said. Just your standard quip about murdering America's top law enforcement officer. For a week now, conservatives have been raging over their dear leader, ex-president Donald Trump, having his estate searched by the FBI. Recent reports pointing to Trump's improper and potential nefarious possession of classified information. But but here's the thing. You're, you're a candidate for office. And maybe you have Republicans that might vote for you, but not after saying some shit like that. Paladino, who had been endorsed by the third highest ranking House Republican, Representative Elise Stefanik of New York, said during an interview with Breitbart last weekend that he thinks Garland probably should be executed. Here's an excerpt from an article with AP. So we have a couple of unelected people who are running our government in an administration of people like Garland, who should not only be impeached, he probably should be executed. That's what Palladino said. The guy is just lost. He's a lost soul. He's trying to get an image, and his image, his methodology is terrible. To raid the home of a former president is just, people are scratching their heads, and they're saying, what is wrong with this guy? Here's the thing, Paladino. The only people scratching their heads and saying, what's wrong with this guy, are the 30% of the trump and people like you in this country. But unfortunately, Paladino, you're in fucking New York, a blue state. You might be in a red area. But when you talk about trying to kill the attorney general, you lose a lot of credibility. And when you lose that credibility, you don't get votes. And Paladino most certainly will fucking lose his uh, his uh, election, and he should deserve it. But he should also be uh, investigated and possibly indicted. Because making that kind of threat against the attorney general is most certainly illegal. All right. Now we're going to wrap it up for the Rational Boomer podcast. We went long. But as I always say, it's my fucking show. We'll go as long as we decide. So anyway, be looking for the next show tomorrow. That will be with Ed. That's an interesting show. And of course, next week. We start it all over again. We talk about the same shit because, you know, there's going to be more crazy shit 
happening. I hope you have a great day, a great weekend, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.